So um, we're going to do something pretty cool this morning. You guys don't have to listen to me talk. I know you're so excited about that. Um, we have a super exciting treat. Um, Miss Christina Kimmer is going to be talking to us this morning. And she is literally amazing. Her and John are truly amazing. Um, getting to know them the last eight months or so for the really the first time has been really exciting. So here we go. Um, come on, Christina. Come up here. Oh, sorry, Kayla, could you grab? Oh, this one? You want this one? Okay, she's got it. Cassie, I'm moving your iPad, okay? Um, so here you go, she's amazing. Hey guys. Hey, thanks, Allie. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest with y'all, I'm gonna need a bunch of talk back today. I, I'm a worship leader and I, I love to sing. I hate speaking, like, hate speaking. So, um, please do not stare awkwardly at me. I mean, turn to the person next to you and stare awkwardly if you feel like having an awkward moment, but please don't do that to me. Um, <laughs> I am excited to be up here with a question mark after it. Uh, your amazing pastor, Corey Wilkinson, asked me to speak tonight at large groups or small group, large group, large group, large group. So I was okay with that, a little bit of a smaller group, a little bit, you know, it's fine. And then like at four in the morning this morning, he called us, not actually, it was like midnight, well, maybe like 11, okay. Um, and said, felt like four in the morning. Um, he, I don't know, you texted John or something. He said, hey, would Christina speak tomorrow morning? And I literally felt vomit come up in my throat as John called me. But here's the funny part about John, if you don't know him, my husband, he spoke for a large, large group last time, I think, uh, or the time before. He speaks great. He's great at speaking. Now, if you want him to sing in front of you, forget it. He gets, so we're switched, we're reversed. So if I could sing this whole message to you guys, we'd be good. But uh, so he calls me, and he's got, he's extremely sarcastic, if you get to know him. And uh, he calls me, and he's like, hey, he was out doing a job. And I was like, hey, he said, so uh, you want to speak tomorrow morning instead of tomorrow night? I was like, no. <laughs> but anyway, and he goes, yeah, Corey called. And I was like, Ugh. I felt the vomit rising. And I'm all about respecting leadership. And so I said, yes, tell him yes, fine. So I think I got up and went to the bathroom like six times during the night last night, like even walking out the door this morning. But here we are, and I'm here with you guys. So awesome. Um, just a quick little bit about me. Um, I have known most of the leadership here since they were like nine, 10, some younger, eight or nine. Um, Pastor Terry Wilkinson has... Um, been the thorn in my side for um, almost two decades. So, um, not actually, uh, well maybe a little. Um, it, actually, I, owe, I always love to do this to him because I know he hates to be called out, but I honor Terry so much. Um, so much of my growth in my life when it came to worship and things came from him. I learned so much from him. We are two completely different human beings in the most opposite of ways. But um, when we went different ways from serving together. It was actually painful um, leaving the people we were leaving and one of the people that was really hard was leaving him and his family. Um, so I'm really excited to be reconnected with this team, this family. 
Um, I didn't get to know Corey as well as we are now because Corey was a little munchkin running around. And as we watched him grow and like he was going to get married to Allie and everything, it was kind of mind-blowing because it was like, no, he's still a little kid, like running around, getting into trouble. He didn't really get into too much trouble, I don't think. He probably did and we didn't know. That's probably what it was. Doesn't he strike you as that guy? Yeah, me too. Um, my... Uh, Oldest, I have four kids. If you don't know me very well, I have four kids. My oldest son is Taylor, and he just got married to a beautiful girl named Haley. They were here. They were working with the youth for a while until they upped and left everybody and went to Tennessee. So just want to lay that out there that they left you guys. Um, <laughs> but we are here. So, uh, and then I have twin, uh, twin boys, Micah and Xander, who are in the youth group under Caleb and Wendy, which is another crazy thing. Caleb and Wendy were in our youth. Caleb and Wendy played on our worship team. They were raised up under my husband and I. And it's the craziest thing because now my kids are in their youth. And we used to take them to the same camp that they took my kids to a few weeks ago. Like, it's just crazy how God will bring everything full circle like that. And I can't think of a better place or better people I would rather have my kids under than Caleb and Wendy. So if you know youth, you don't have youth age kids, but you know them, get them here. This is There is something really, really big here. Um, Gary and Lindsay, we've known same since they came into you. We were there when Gary came into our youth group pretty much unsaved, um, I would say. He was pretty rough. And he walked into our youth group, and all the girls said, oh, my gosh. And Lindsay, and Lindsay at the time, Wilkinson stepped up and said, oh, no, girls, he's mine. And she got the prize, obviously, so... It was a little bit of a fight for a while. Boy, we were with them through, uh, they were together for years, seven years-ish, seven years, yeah. So youth group, like for years, like through high school dating, they broke up, they made up, they broke up, and they made, y'all, they'd break up over the cutest things. Like they weren't spending time with God. I was they were on a break. Y'all know about that break, right? You know about that break? Yeah, they, they, they were on a you said one time? I think you're wrong. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure that shoulder crying happened like six or seven times. Maybe it was once, but I remember like a bunch of other times, like, should we break up? And I'm like, no, you guys are like the perfect couple. And people hated them for it. Like people would make up rumors about them, like going in the back rooms and doing things they shouldn't have done. And if you knew them at all, that would be like, no, they, they were good people. Um, there's a couple others that aren't here this morning. Ashley, uh, Sherry is here, her daughter. They were like her and Ashley, Lindsay and Ashley, who sings up here on Sundays. They were always singing together. I used them for every duet, everything. They sounded great together. They did dramas. So we go way back. It's only been like five years. Me and Wendy were talking about this morning. She's still 19 and I'm still like 25. So we're all good. Anyway, I've been leading worship since I was um, doing worship since I was 19. I would say that probably started like leading worship. I was in my mid-20s and um, still have no, I feel like I still have so much to learn about it. So what I'm bringing to you guys this morning is what I've learned. It's what's, what's made me grow and it's really what's changed my life and the culture around me with worship. So the only thing I ask of you this morning, I, I'm not as sophisticated and put together as your pastor is. Um, I am going to ask you guys to uh, interact with me. So that may be very weird for you. There's such a gap here. There's just no people here. If you feel like moving, you totally can. Um, I'm going to ask you questions. Talk back at me. 
okay? Um, so when I say the word worship, don't be all philosophical either, like for real. What do you think of? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Music. Thank you. Honest people. Good. I love the ones who are like, my life before Jesus every day, 24-7. I just like, get out. Just leave. <laughs> Anything else when you guys hear the word worship? Anything else? Lifestyle. That was good. You were close to that line, but that was good. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, lifestyle, music, anything else? Praise. Yep. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Yep. That's good. Crossing almost that line. I'm just kidding. All of these answers, all of these answers are right. So, yeah, actually, and still, you know, because nobody wants to come for preaching. So, um, <laughs> I'm so kidding. It was though. We knew when we, when you, your parents said, make sure that you stay by me in worship. They meant the music part, right? Or after worship, you can go to kids' church. They meant the music part, right? Not that that's wrong, and I'm not going to try to change any of those things because they're all right. But I'm kind of going to try to bring a perspective of worship that will help you when you live lifestyle of it, when you have to sacrifice things for the Lord. But then really a lot of corporate things I wanna talk about. I have such a heart for this place. I have such a heart for you guys and your people. And I, you may see me if you ever, I try to stand in the back. Well, if you ever see me in worship, I, I get a little wild and crazy sometimes. And anyone who's known me for any amount of years, it's been consistent. But a lot of people are like, it's so easy for you to worship. It's so normal for you. You're so wild. And, or people have looked at my kids who are a little bit more reserved, and they're like, how do you, how do you not look like your crazy mom? And they're like, we don't want to look like our crazy mom. <laughs> so, um, but it's not because I, it's not out of an act. It's not out of entertainment for anything. It's out of, I don't know, I don't feel it most of the time. It's not like I like feel like throwing my hands up and dancing around like a crazy person. I do it because he's worthy. I do it because that's his worth to me in my life. Now that does not mean you have to look like me. Let me just disclaimer. I'm not going to try to convince you guys to all look the same in worship, but I am going to try to convince you guys that maybe how you viewed worship and songs and things may be a little bit uh, not biblical. So we're going to go full biblical, okay? In the English translation of the Bible, we have the word worship and the word praise, right? Yes. In the Greeks, Greek and Hebrew translations, there's over 248 words for praise and over 192 words for worship. Different words. Y'all, we got the short end of the stick being in, in, reading in English. Anybody read Hebrew or Greek? Anybody ever tried? Yeah. How, how far did you get before you gave up? I did. Okay, I got to where you started writing the Hebrew. Me and my friend Anna Harvey, you guys remember the Harveys? We went, we did a class. She went way past me. Now she speaks Arabic and stuff. But we, we started it. And I was so in it. I had my little notebook. It was doing my homework and all kinds of things. And I got to like where I knew the alphabet in Hebrew. And then we started putting small words together. And then you had to get bigger words. And I quit. So now I just am thankful for the Strong's concordance so I can go ask them what they learned and what they, what they have learned. So um, we do. We read the word worship or praise in the Bible, and we just 
know that that means to do something, probably lift your hands or probably pray. But then Greek and Hebrew translation actually has a different word for each time, and it tells you what to do. So it may say when it says, God, I praise you for you have created the earth and you are fe- we are fearfully and wonderfully made, whatever the verse. I'm just making up my own Christian version. Um, it, that could actually mean I get down on my face before you in the Greek and Hebrew, that would make sense if we knew that. It would be like, oh, when we read this verse, this is our response to that verse. But we don't have that in the English translation. So in a little bit, in about a few minutes, I'm going to give you a little bit of nuggets, and then I'm going to actually teach you just seven of the over 30-something words just for praise and worship. So that when you're singing and when you're reading scripture, that you can actually, maybe it'll even stir something inside of you to go to the Strong's Concordance and actually look up, like, I wonder what this means. It did me, and it still does. It's, it's, it's a constant for us. All right. Um, a lot of people say, Terry, we know all about this. Um, praise is upbeat songs, and worship means slow songs. Let's just throw that out the door real quick. That, that is something we have created. I, I have done it a million times. When you hear the word praise, that must mean upbeat. It's actually almost quite opposite in definition. Um, Praise is a little bit more solemn and worship is a little bit more undignified. So um, that is a false definition of worship, although we use that all the time. Guilty is charged. Um, We also do this thing with worship. Uh, Have done it a million times. Have you ever gone to talk to somebody about a different service in church or someone who was in the nursery and they said, so how was worship? How was worship today? How, how is the preaching? So we have decided that we somehow have the authority to rate God in a service. And we really have taken uh, worship and music and a, a pastor and their message, and we have actually put a one to ten on it. We've put a number on it. And we've somehow forgot that God is the sinner, and we've made ourselves the sinner. And, oh, well, you know, when Clay plays, he's really off. But now when Rick plays, he's something special. We've even rated our, not true, we've, we've <laughs> using examples, guys, using examples. We've used a rating system, and we've done that. And so then when we go to a ch- what happens then when that starts to get in us, we go to churches and we go to places, and we come in, we're like, I don't really like that song. Who asked you? Yeah. <laughs> so that's, it's because, because, okay. Um, I didn't, you know, I don't really like when so-and-so sings because, um, we've got, you know, I went to high school with them. Nobody asked you either. Like, you don't, you don't know their walk. So we take God out of the picture completely. So we got to quit doing that, right? Can we agree on that? Like, and I catch myself all the time. I catch myself. Um, I have a, a friend of mine, our roommate, actually, his fiance, she's just really hard on herself. She's a worship leader. And we were watching a service one day from them in Tennessee and she had texted me, she had led a song, and she did a beautiful job. And she texted me and she said, how was it? And I said, how was what? And she said, how was, how was my song? And I said, oh, why are you asking me that? She said, well, I want to know what you think, you know, because a lot of times I go in and teach things and all that. And I said, I think that you, d- you did a beautiful job. She goes, no, like, how did I do with worshiping? And I said, well, why don't you take that up with the Lord? Because I don't know your heart in that moment. And she was like, Fair enough, I'm done asking. <laughs> so if we start responding to each other like that, like you can still compliment. I was taught years ago, when somebody compliments you, Cora, I think Cody and I talked about this like, like a year ago, when someone compliments you and says, you did a great job in worship, or you did a great job preaching, or you sang that song so good, here's our response. 
yes, thank you so much. Holy Spirit used me as a vessel. I'm his vessel, and he used me. I have said that my whole life. We get super spiritual when the truth of it is, is thank you. And you take that compliment, and you put it in your pocket, and at the end of the day, before you go to bed, you lay it at the altar. That's it. Because of course you're a vessel. If you're singing in church or you're preaching in church or you're doing something for the Lord, I would hope, I would hope that it was for the Lord and you were doing it because he was using you as a vessel. Yes, say thank you, but that is, that is yours. You were used. And then take it at the end of the day. Now, if you're like, thank you, I know. I got a little problem with that. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying if you say thank you sincerely, like humbly, but don't get too, don't feel like you have to get too spiritual with that. Okay. Um, when we worship, our reality comes into agreement with God's reality. Worship release, releases the government of heaven over us. So a lot of times we just come in and we're like, we're singing the really cool songs that Maverick City just put out, which by the way is my favorite group right now. Um, and we're singing it in yes, but do we realize when we sing certain things, the things that are released over our lives, over our future, over that moment and over us as a congregation, it's wild. If we started seeing each other in this room as a family, as a corporate group coming in to do things on a Sunday morning, when we're singing songs, we would really start to see things shift even more in the services than they already do. Um, a lot of times we come into worship, and I, I've done this a million times and I've had to learn the hard way. We come into worship and we're like stressed out. We don't really want to be here, especially on the rainy days. You know, we just really want to stay up. And anybody love to just stay in bed on a rainy day with a blanket curled up or on the couch and watch, yes, Wendy with her sweater. It's perfect. Did you find another sweater, by the way? Did we? Okay. Y'all need to help Wendy out later. If you don't know what I'm talking about, please see Wendy. Um, she needs a new cozy sweater. So um, we, and so we come into church and we're like, here we are. We have to be here. I've missed church for two weeks. So I need to be here, I need to worship, and we just stand there and we're like, oh, I don't even know these songs. I should have stayed in bed with my hot cup of coffee. Cold if you're me, because by the time I drink three sips, it takes four hours to drink the rest. <laughs> Cassia. Um, the, um, we, we go in and we're like, I just don't feel like it. And, or you say, whew, the opposite. I had a rough week this week. I didn't, me and God didn't even get to talk. So I come, you come into worship and you're like, this is it. This is the moment. And they play the first chord and you're like, yes, I've arrived. I'm here, right? We have those two extremes. The crazy part is both of those, not that they're bad, but Sunday morning expression should be an overflow of Holy Spirit through the week. That should be an overflow of your worship, your lifestyle, your sacrifice throughout the week. And do you guys know that I learned years ago when I had twins, my life got flipped upside down. The first like four or five years is a blur to me. My parents have more pictures of them than I do. And I remember I was writing, doing an album, a worship album in the middle of it. And it was a, a higher end. Um, I look back now and I'm like, man, that was wild. They, they required certain things of you. So I'm trying to write these songs. I've got Taylor, who was at the time like four or five. I've got these little toddlers running around, biting my ankles, literally. And they, I'm trying to do all this, these, these songs and all this stuff. And I remember during that time, I was a part of uh, the Orlando House of Prayer, which if you're not familiar with that, it's, a 20, it's based out of a global prayer movement in Kansas City where they've been worshiping 24-7 for like two decades, um, like live worship. 
And so we would go to the prayer room and we would pray. Gary, oh my gosh, bless your heart. Gary used to go to the prayer room with me in Orlando. And I think, Lindsay, you came too. Midnight prayer sets we would do. And we'd drive to Orlando to be there at midnight. And from 12 to 2 a.m., we would lead worship for a room of zero. And we would turn around and get in the car and come home. And then these guys would go to school the next, the next day or the next that week. Or I don't even know if they went to school either way. I remember Gary, I don't remember anymore. Gary, the one time I remember this, and this is when I was like, I'm torturing. This is, these guys used to go with me. If I said, hey, we're doing this, these, this is how great they were as a youth group. They went with us. They said, you're doing a set at midnight? Bet, we're going to be there. I would not have. Y'all are great. You guys were good. But Gary was playing the electric guitar. And I remember, I can see it clear as day in my head. I remember looking over at him. And somehow, I never understand this, he was playing the whole chord progression to the song, and we're singing, and he's this. <laughs> you were playing the chords. You weren't wrong. I don't know how you did it to this day. I have no idea how. Um, but anyway, so he used to, uh, we, we, used to, we used to do all that. But this, back to what I was saying, this should be the overflow of what your week looks like. This should be an overflow. Moving forward, I could talk about those days for a long time. Worship is more than music. Um, even so, when the congregation of earth worships, God releases heaven on earth. I just think that's such a beautiful concept, especially if you've ever had anyone that you've lost that you know is with the Lord now. Like for me, um, knowing that the people I've lost, when I worship, it's the closest I can get to them before I see them again in heaven because they're with Jesus and they're worshiping. So when I worship, especially when we sing what we know Revelation says, holy, 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 is the Lord God. We sing it. It says that there's everyone singing around the throne, right? Or saying that around the throne. So that means when we're here, we're worshiping, we're saying that for one moment, we're in tune with what's happening in heaven. And that's selfish, I know, but I'm so close to that loved one that I lost. And we're on the same page again. And that's a big deal. Like outside of the stuff going on in worship, spiritually, there's a, a piece of me that's like, that's such a beautiful thing um, to know. How we view the word worship is a huge misconception, right? That's what we're talking about now. So how many of you guys are already like starting to twist your mind a little bit? Like, okay, okay, heads, heads are nodding. Um, a lot of places, not this place, uh, worship is business. It's, it's we've got to do this, we've got to do that, we've got to have that. Now, granted, I'm not opposed to fog, lights, camera action. I'm not opposed to that. But when that becomes your main focus, Terry is amazing at balancing that because he is structured and built to see things in an artistic way. Whereas I am not. Give me a black stage like this and just a microphone and we're good. Terry sees what can we do to make the atmosphere more beautiful and more gentle. I don't. Um, and you take those gifts and you put them together and you get beautiful things. But when you take someone who only sees the business side, you lose Holy Spirit totally. Because worship isn't business. It's personal. It's a cross. It's him dying for us. It's a relationship. So we have to get the business side out of worship when we do it. And that might help you guys when you're like, oh, I don't like this song. I don't like this. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us and what we think. Um, I'm giving you little pieces of things because I don't want to take too much time. Um, oh, so God is in a business. I love this thing I wrote down. So when we come into worship sometimes and we do the whole, I don't want to be here, I don't want to, because it's personal, we can't call in when we don't feel like worshiping, like a job. 
We can do that, but we can't do that with worship. We don't get to push away when we don't like the way things are going. And that's exactly what we do sometimes in a service. We come in or we stay home because we don't feel like it. And our worship isn't like a job. It's not, we don't get a choice to just be like, "Mm, don't feel like it today. Or I don't like how this feels because it's personal to him. And so we have to get that in our mind. This is a personal thing. Um, Reasons we don't want to come before the Lord in worship. Give me some. When we come in, give me some reasons you guys are just like, I don't even feel comfortable here. I don't feel like I should be here. What are some reasons? Ashamed. Guilt. That's a huge one. You're not worthy, right? You're not worthy. Well, here's, here's the, a beautiful thing about that. That's the best place to come to him. Because if you think about all the scriptures in the Bible, when Jesus met people, where were they at? They were in their guilt, their shame, their mess. They weren't put together. In fact, that's what they wanted to kill Jesus for because he went to those people in their mess. So that is the, let's just break that off. That is the best place to come to him is in your guilt and in your shame and in your condemnation and in the I don't feel like it and in the unworthiness. It says Christ died while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So he knew we were sinning. He knew we were going to sin, yet he still died for us. That sounds like a lot of worth to me. That sounds like I was worth something. So then what is he worth in my worship? Um, and remembering our, our worship is an overflow. And so if you come in on Sunday morning, oh, I remember what I was going to say about the album thing. My kids are going around like crazy. And in a moment, I remember where I was standing in my kitchen. I had tears running down my face. I hadn't been in the prayer room. I was going like three or four days a week to lead these worship sets. I hadn't been. I was having a hard time writing songs. And it doesn't usually, it's not usually hard for me. And I remember closing my eyes and out loud, I said, God, I miss you and I can't do this. And this peace washed over me. And he said, I'll take that. Even in that moment, all I said was, I'm mad and I'm angry and I can't do life right now. And he said, I'll take that. That was worship. That was a moment for him. That was me and him connecting. So it doesn't always have to be this, especially if you guys have crazy work schedules at week and work and stuff and you can't, or you're on 24, I know like people that have these 24-7 shifts, when? But do you know that it's just a thought? Do you know that it's just a conversation with God that's enough for him? It doesn't have to be this. That's worship. And you do that, and then when you come into this, it's just an overflow. Just an overflow. Um, So what we are doing in our daily lives with Holy Spirit is the dynamic impact on how we are affected in a corporate setting. Um, So when we come in after a week of not having anything with God or even trying, we come into a corporate setting, and we are seeking worship more than we're seeking God because now we're dry on the inside. We are seeking an entertainment show on the platform to feel something. And we're not entertained, so we leave going, well, I didn't get anything out of that. Well, again, let's run it back to the other thing I said. It's not about you. It's not about me. So if we can remember that our action is the worship. God's action is not worship. We're waiting on him to do something. I've done it a million times. Like, I just want to feel something doesn't always happen that way. Do you guys have ever experienced that? Like you're like, I just want to feel something. Let's move, switch it. Why don't you give him what you feel? And if you don't feel anything, you still give it. That's the sacrifice Caleb talked about. And then you give it, and guess what? He'll meet you. 
whatever that looks like, and it's usually not in the way you thought he would meet you. He'll meet you there. The first mention of worship is in Genesis. Gen- anybody want to take a guess before I say what, what the story is? Genesis, the stories in Genesis. Jesus was not there in Genesis, just so you know. Yes, sir. Abraham and Isaac, the first time worship is mentioned is when he's talking to his wife and he's saying, me and my son are going to go up and worship the mount. Did Abraham know what he was doing when he took his son? Not fully, but did he have an idea of what he was going to the top? So you're telling me that he knew he was going to have to lay his son on the altar, and yet his words said, I'm going to go to the mountain and worship? I know I have to go sacrifice my son, the one that I've prayed for, the one that was promised, but I'm still going to go worship. It, to me, it, I would have been like, to my, to my husband, I would have been like, so I'm taking Isaac today, and we got to go up to the mountain because God said to do some crazy thing, but I guess I'm going, but I'm kind of trying to stall, and that's not what Abraham did. He had gathered everything immediately, said, let's go to the mountain. That's wild to me. That's wild to me. Um, so if you go to the story of Abraham, I'm going to show you guys something in a second. Um, I'm pretty sure he didn't feel like going to sacrifice his son that day. I'm pretty sure that was quite a sacrifice. I always go back to that because there's many times I go, I don't feel, I just don't feel like it. And I always go back to Abraham. I love when a pastor or a worship leader says to the church, lift your hands. And you look out and there's like the one person in the back. It's my favorite from the platform because you're just like, or the, the worship leader says, come on, everybody, let's just lift your hands for a second. And like four people in the front do, like your, your go-getters and everyone else is like gripping the back of the chair in front of them. Yeah, I hate chairs. Um, and the most thing that I've heard when that happens, when I've asked people, why do you do that? I didn't feel like it. Again, who asked? Somebody in leadership asked you to do it, and out of a sacrifice and response, you do it. I'm about to give you a, a biblical response to that because you're hearing my words, and I don't want you to hear that, but it, I'm about to bust that theory wide open because the Bible actually tells us when you don't feel like it, you do it. So that jacked me up pretty bad. Um, we come in seeking expectations sometimes out of these beautiful humans up here, and that's so unfair. We shouldn't be seeking uh, expectations. We should be seeking an encounter with God. And that encounter is an action on our part to him. Some things that sometimes keep us to, nobody said this one, and I'm just going to touch on it before I go into it. We're actually going to do some stuff where you're going to get out of your chairs. You're going to hate me. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> when you guys ever seen, uh, oh, babe, what's the movie we love with, with Maximus? Gladiator. Y'all seen Gladiator? If not, that's your homework. Well, unless you don't like gruesome things, but um, it's, not, it's not that bad. Gladiator, he's, he's killing like he's been asked to, like gladiators do, and he turns around and he looks at everyone and he's like, are you not entertained? I always think of that in worship. I even thought it this... Uh, this <laughs> I look around at people that are like, just like... I'm not ta- if you stand there and worship and you're reverent with the Lord, I'm not talking about you having to be some crazy worship. I'm not dogging that, just so you know. I'm not judging that worship. But I'm saying, like, sometimes I look around and you t- I'm talking to people, like, scrolling on their phone, they're looking at their clock. 
looking around, I'm like, are you not entertained? You know, you just want to yell at him. We should start doing that, Corey. We should start walking up to him. Yelling in their face, his spits like flying out of our mouth. Come at him with a sword. <laughs> yeah. Um, that means that we're seeking worship. If, that's, if we're in that moment, we're seeking worship more than we're seeking God. Or that's what's happening with people. Um, worshiping in spirit and truth, you guys. We've heard that scripture in John and there's so much to that that's a whole other message that I'm not going to get into but I'm going to challenge you guys to go into what it means to worship in spirit and truth worship um, is with the aid of Holy Spirit so with, with worshiping in spirit we have spirits we have spirit in us so we worship in spirit with spirit and then, then truth is an effort it's worshiping with the right idea about God worshiping the right ideas about God and so many times we worship we're like this wasn't good that God did, so I can't worship him. But the truth is God is always good, so we do worship him. So it's having the right mindset of God. We, you guys, we can't fake out Holy Spirit, so there's nothing that we can say to him that's not going to make him go, okay, anyway, let's move forward now. <laughs> you know, like, we can't be like, you, this is what's happening inside of me. He's like, I know. And again, let's move forward. Let's get you past this. Um, the greatness of our praise should be a reflection of the greatness of the worth of God in us. So a lot of you guys, has everybody in this room had God do something for him? Them, raise, you guys, raise your hand. So something good, God has done something good in your life, right? So out of those things, just like they were singing the songs this morning, um, so much better your way, things like that, then that is your response is to those things of goodness and God, that God did for you is your response to him, always, but for sure when we come together. Worship is not a result of his presence, but it's a response. Um, worship is not a result of his presence. So we don't worship because we feel his presence. That is a big one. We worship as a response to his presence that's already here. The, one of the, there's a lot of songs that are theologically wrong, and we won't get into that. And there's a lot of ones that are right. And then there's a lot of ones that cause a lot of confusion, like one we used to do, this is a big one, Terry. We used to do, I went to the enemy's camp, and I took back what he stole from me. Y'all, I don't want to go to the enemy's camp. I don't want to cross those lines. I'm just going to get it back because I'm going to tell God to give it back to me. Why would we want to cross into the camp and take it back? <laughs> Why don't we just ask? Or the other one we used to do that I was now looking, I, I haven't sang this solo in our choir, Days of Elijah. These are the Days of Elijah. Do you know what the Days of Elijah look like? They were terrible. They were horrible. There was death. <laughs> Desolation, and it's like, there's no God like Jehovah. It's all this the, uh, upbeat stuff, and I'm like, why are we so excited right now? We're like gonna die. This is talking about the fields, you know? Anyway, so massacre, pure massacre, and we're like, yeah, there's no God like Jehovah. Anyway, so um, songs like that. Anyway, that is not my point. I just kind of went off on a rabbit trail, but songs that say, um, like, fill me up. It's a great song. Fill me up, God, fill me up. We're already pretty full of God. I mean, we have the same Christ, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in us. So what more do we want? Now, I get when I sing that song, I know I need more of him and less of me. But when you take songs like that and you're like, what are we actually asking for? What are we asking for? So I want to challenge you guys when you sing stuff. Like, what are you asking for? It'll jack you up when you pick songs for worship because you'll start reading words and you'll be like, Oh, gosh, I need to go to the Bible real quick. I don't know what this is saying. Um, or um, I want more, um, more of you, God. 
We already have him living inside of us, all of him, all of him. So what do we want more of? So just being aware of what you're saying and what you're singing. Um, and that what we sing brings agreement. Okay, so you guys ready? So those are just little nuggets I wanted to throw at you guys before we get into the, um, so all those Hebrew words of worship, there's like 30 something uh, different words for praise and worship in the Bible. We are not gonna go through all 30 of them, but I have picked seven of my favorite and the most popular ones. And I'm gonna teach them to you so you guys can take them with you. And I have been teaching this for years. This was taught to me in worship school and it changed my life. And it's still, I teach it every time and I just, I get jacked up every time. So, you guys ready? Okay. Um, we're going to start with the first one. And if you want to put it up there, it's Shoshana, Shoshana, right? You are gorgeous, by the way. I saw you singing a few weeks ago and I went to Wendy and I was like, who is that girl? <laughs> you have a beautiful spirit. Beautiful spirit. Anyway, she is going to be our media person today. What would life be without media, right? The first word I'm taking, if you're taking notes, here it is. I know Ali is. I'm going to go over to my thing real quick. Hold on. The first word is toda. Now, we don't have Greek scholars in here, and we don't have um, Hebrew scholars. Thank God. I'm so glad that Corey gave up, because <laughs> I know that I sound like a Southern girl when I say toda. That is probably not how it sounds at all. It probably has some like spit coming out when they say it, or something crazy. But we're going to start with that one. The definition is simple. It's a sacrifice. Now, this is the one where... I loved learning because then when people came to me and say, I don't feel like it, I could be like, aha, I have scripture for you that tells you otherwise. Um, Psalm 50, 14 says, offer to God a thank offering of praise and pay your vows to the most high. Psalm 50, 23 also says, whosoever offereth praise glorifies me. Remember we have that word praise? The word praise in Psalms 50:23 is todah. And by definition of sacrifice, when you go to the Hebrew, it actually means to do it when you don't feel like it. I didn't make that up. This is right here. So when it says, whoever offers a I don't feel like it kind of sacrifice glorifies me. Wow. So when we don't feel like it, listen, 99% of the time when my hands go up in the air, it's not because something came under me and like threw my hands up in the air like ghost or something. You just do it because he's worthy and it's a sacrifice. And like I said, um, can you real quick play the YouTube video? I want you guys to watch. There was a series out before Chosen came. This was it. It's called the Bible series. And it was probably the most accurate that I've seen. I want you to just take a second and watch this scene with Abraham and Isaac. Father, we have the firewood, but where's the lamb? 
will provide a sacrifice, my son. Did Abraham take a lamb? No, mistress. <sighs> is one of the most beautiful scenes of I've ever seen of Abraham and Isaac depicted um, because you usually just see Abraham put him on and Isaac's like cool we're gonna get sacrificed today and that is not how it was it, my my kids would have been more frantic than that like they would have been like I knew you were a lunatic my whole life now I really know you're a lunatic my whole life and so I know that that was had to be going through Isaac's head like what is happening this is craziness and he did it anyway and he trusted the Lord, and so Todah is just simply obedience. So when you get in those moments, I want you to remember that. So I want you guys to stand up. And on the count of three, I want you guys just to lift your hands. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, you feel Holy Spirit? If you say yes, get out. <laughs> Put your hands down. Okay, you can sit down. See, that's it. That's Todah. That's Abraham and Isaac right there. Cool. All right, good. One, two, 
Yada. Oh, one of the kids year, years ago said um, with that one, she laughed hysterically when I was teaching it. She's like, it's easy to remember because it's like, ta-da. Like your hands just go up and you don't mean to. So if you need to remember that one, yada is the next one. Very, very, very similar. By definition, it's the extending of hands or it's the throwing out of hands. Um, therefore, to worship with lifted hands. This one is great. Psalms 107.15 says, let them give thanks to Yahweh for his loyal love. That's, or let them give praise to Yahweh. That word right there in 107.15 is the word yada. So again, we see praise, but there's actually definition behind it, which is this word yada, which says give praise. So give a lifting of your hands, an extension of your hands to God. So we read that and we just are like, oh, I'm going to say thank you, God. I'm going to give you praise. Yay, clap your hands, you know. My favorite is when we're in a worship service and you're like, come on, everybody, just lift a shout of praise. And what does everybody do? They clap their hands. We're like, no, let's run that back one more time. We're going to shout. And everyone's still like, wah! They clap their hands like they forget how to shout. Anyway, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. Um, yada, so extending of hands. So I'm going to have you guys stand up again. So this is those moments, um, the song Gratitude, we've done it a few times here, where it says, like, so I'll throw up my hands and praise you again and again. That's toda. That's kind of like, it doesn't necessarily mean I feel like it, but I'm going to do it. But it also has a little bit of the yada, because it says, I don't have much to give you, so I'm going to give you my praise. So I want you, I'm going to have you guys close your eyes for a second. And I want you to just start thinking of the goodness of God in your life, maybe even speaking it. And as you speak it, and you feel it, how good he is to you. I just want you to lift your hands. We're just gonna take a second and do that. And as you start to worship, I want your hands just to start to raise. All right, you guys can be seated. See, that one is a little bit more of a response. Does that make sense? So that's one of those in the moment you're just like, here it is, here's my worship. So that's yada, so those are the difference in the two, okay? So either way, we have no way out of it. He deserves our hands lifted high before him. And the Bible says it in those scriptures. It says, 107.15 Psalms, let them give praise to Yahweh for his loyal love, it's, which means let them lift their hands of extension of their hands to him. So we really get the raw end of the deal, guys. All right, um, what's the next one I, I gave you up there? Okay, this is not Barack Obama. Um, this is Barack, or it's Baruch in some, some translations. This one is a very popular one. Simple definition, guys, to bow down and get low. So you see people, I've had people ask me like, why do I see people get on their face before the Lord? Because the Bible tells me so. I don't know what else to say. And sometimes there's just moments of reverence that are needed. You know when a king comes into the courts? You guys watch the movies where a king comes into the court, he's walking down, and what is the entire, um, what are they called? What are, peasants? No. <laughs> Kingdom, that's the word. Peasants, same thing. What do they do when the king walks in? They bow. I think it's um, Princess Bride, the old classic. I think when they bowed, I always would watch and I'd be like, they're so weird. They like go down like on their face and they put their like face on the ground. But that's Barack. 
That is a moment before you and the Lord, and it says in Psalms 95, 6, come in and let us barak him. So come in and let us get on our face before him. We're just so simple. We're so simple. We come in and we stand behind chairs, and we do this, and we do that, and we're done, and that was our worship. But there's so much more. We're just into three. We're just into three. It actually tells us, go before him on your face. It's the king enters the courts, and we have nothing else to do but honor him and get as low. Because when we're at our lowest, we're at our humblest before the king of kings. So we're not, I'm not going to make you guys get on your hands and knees. This one I usually depend on the crowd. I will not make you. I see some people's faces. I don't even know if you heard me give the definition. You, were th you, you heard me say down, and you're like, I can't do this one. I hope she doesn't make me do it. So as long as you guys are good on that one. Another one I thought was beautiful is Job 121, and we all know Job went through it. And um, he says in 121, he says, I will um, praise the name of the Lord after he's saying, um, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return. In all of that, he still gets humbly before the Lord and bows down. That's wild. That's wild. Okay, so that's the three. All right, four, Zamar. My... my um, my fellow youth know this is one of my favorites. So if you were in my youth group, as you know, I was always on time to rehearsal and always came prepared, correct? Amen. Thank you for the lies, Caleb. Thank you for the lies. Did you guys know Caleb could lie? I was never on time and I never was prepared, was I? Thank you, Terry, for the head shake. Um, I knew in my heart what I wanted to do and I intended to do and I could tell you but I just never when I would lead for Terry when Terry was out of town those few times bless his heart that's why he never asked me to lead was he knew he'd asked for music just one week in advance one week and like three days before I'm still have not sent the email right it's really bad I in my heart was really trying to figure out songs I wanted to do it wasn't as much about it wasn't as much about disorganization I'm not saying it wasn't all about that but it was not as much about that I came into practice one time and um, just a little late like 30 minutes and the worship team who was always actually on time they were really good about it um, they were up on the stage, and uh, Gary was on electric guitar, remember, and Keegan was on the, the keyboard, and um, some, I think, I think, I know that, um, Lindsay, I think you were there that night. Anyway, um, I don't know where Wendy and Caleb were. They skipped that night, I think. I don't think they were there. <laughs> yeah, you still might have not been in there. Anyway, I walked in, and they had started playing, just playing spontaneously. And I walked up and I was like ready to go like, all right guys, let's practice. I'm sorry I'm late again, but blah, blah, blah. And I walked up on the stage and I remember thinking, nope, can't do that right now. And I went and sat down by um, Joy, one of the girls in our youth group, and they had the Bible open to Psalms. Um, I'm terrible with addresses. Psalm 27.4, 24.7, which is um, the one that says, your face I seek, and blah, 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 blah. Um, that one. My brain just went blank. Um, you said, seek my face, my, your face I will seek, that one. So they had the scripture open to that one. And Gary starts playing this like, da -na 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 and he's playing this thing, and it just starts jamming, and the drums just start playing, and he stays on it, and then he jumps like the octave on the guitar. And I'm reading the scripture, and all of a sudden I get the tune you know, with it, like, even in my times of trouble, you will hide me. This whole song gets birthed out of this little moment 
of just a guitar player and musicians playing some stuff with no words, no plan. And this song comes out of reading scripture, and that is what zamar is. Zamar is actually to pluck the strings of an instrument, to sing praise. Hear that definition. To sing praise through strings. So we just see them as a bunch of backup people who like make everything sound really good, but they're actually prophesying through their instruments too. And we forget that a lot of times. And um, David in the Bible was Saul. He wasn't even king. He was just a little lowly old shepherd boy. Saul calls him in. What did he do to drive out the demons? Did he sing? Did he pray over him and like lay hands and cast it out? What did he do? He just played a little old string harp and demons fled. So the power in the instruments is crazy. I'm going to show you guys a clip in a second. Uh, about seven years ago, we were at the ramp ministry. We were, John and I were speaking at the youth, and I was leading worship. And this guy, who you will eventually meet, if I don't think anyone here has met him yet, his name is Nate. Um, he is a phenomenal guitar player, but he stays in this realm when he plays guitar all the time, that you can pretty much know you're going to find him playing somewhere in heaven. He is in his early 20s, and at the time, he hadn't even graduated high school yet. We're in this little room, about this size. We've got the youth in there. And if you guys know the ramp ministry at all in Alabama, they're wild. They're just wild. The youth are just as much as the conferences are. They're wild. And so we had fun. We did some dancing stuff. And then John spoke. And then we got up to do uh, an altar call song. We did the altar call song. And then we just kind of let the band play. And all of a sudden, Nate's over on his guitar. And he just starts playing this melody. And all of the worship team kind of just all started looking at him. And we were feeling stuff. And that stuff I had never felt before. And Nate was in another realm. He was just the sweet, quiet, even to this day, you, you, he just doesn't speak. He's very quiet. And you could just see him in tears or just running down his face. He's standing and playing the guitar. And all of a sudden, he drops to his knees. He doesn't like put his hand behind him and get down on his knees. He drops to his knees and he starts rocking back and forth and he's playing this melody. And we're all just standing there going, what do we do? We didn't do anything. We thought, should we say something? You know, sometimes we like to talk too much. Like we try to engage the room or tell the room what's going on when Holy Spirit is fully capable of doing that. And we just stood there and we watched him. And then he starts weeping and he starts shaking his head and he's playing out of the blue. People who are just sitting in their chairs, chilling, come to the altar, come to the floor. They get low on their face. They start screaming. They start getting, we saw deliverance happen. We saw healing happen. Not a single time did a person take a microphone and speak one word or sing one thing. But he played that guitar and this is kind of what it looks like. This is what it looks like.
was just a moment. We didn't show the room, but there's people all over the floor screaming. Now, you can't hear him on there, but he's actually, like, crying out that whole time. He's shaking. He's crying out to the Lord. And if you ask him about that moment, he doesn't remember it at all. He just knows that he heard things, and that was the last thing he remembered, and he started playing him. So Zamar, Zamar is a real thing. And so when you see your instruments play in this church, or if you are a, a musician, your instruments sing and let them sing. Um, what's the next one I have? Oh, righty then. I was gonna have Caleb come up and play um, the Zamar, but I used that instead, so you're off the hook for that one, Caleb. Um, halal, what's that word look like? What does it look like it comes from? Hallelujah, Hallelujah. yes, and we hear that word used in a lot of different ways, right? We hear hallelujah like excitement, like hallelujah, or we hear like hallelujah, really soft, right? Do you know what it is best described as? To be undignified before the Lord, to dance calamorously foolish in dance and in bragging and boasting to the point of appearing foolish. That is from the Bible. Guess what? When David danced through the streets, so we've heard the stories, some say he was fully naked. We are not getting naked today, by the way. We're keeping our clothes on, so I'm not going to ask that part of this. Um, some say he had a little cloth on, some say not. Either way, he embarrassed the tar out of his wife to enough where she like, ended up being like, I don't know you. And um, so, which on the other side of that, she, the Lord rebuked her for that, and she never had kids too. So make sure that you don't um, judge people's worship also. Um, that's a big deal. Anyway, um, so that means to look undignified. That's the best description. In fact, when they describe it, when scholars describe it, they say like David did in, in the Bible. That is halal. So he was giving halal worship. And he says in Psalms 1, 113, it says, Praise you, praise you, servants of Yahweh. Praise your name. Let the name of Yahweh be praised for now and forevermore, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. We, see, we hear that word praise, and we're just like, praise you, God, from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same. That actually means, no, get out and give him some halal praise. Look undignified. Dance before him. All of that. When you guys read that scripture, is that what y'all are doing? Because that's not what I was doing. I was just reading through it. But when I'm reading it to the when I'm reading it and absorbing it, I should actually know that that means halal and I should get before him and dance before him. That's crazy. A lot of times that's probably especially growing up with me and my roots where I came from, dancing was of the devil. I mean not saying that there's not some dancing that's not of the devil, but there dancing for the Lord is not. Dancing for the Lord is a thing and people look crazy weird. I don't even want to know what I look like when I dance before the Lord because I'm not like Lindsay Lindsay Rice over here who has like teach uh, teaches dance and stuff. I mean, I did teach her everything she knows, but still. Um it's, I I can't be um I have no dignity when I dance. Um I remember teaching Lindsay to be undignified. That was like taking her, she's like, I remember when she said to John and I, she said, we said, just dance. And she's like, well, I need like a couple weeks to prepare. We're like, no, 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 just dance. And she's like, I can't, I can't do that. Like, remember that? Yeah, it took a while. And then she would go in the back corner and stand there and just fight with the Lord on it, like wrestle with them until one day she broke out and we were like, yeah, you know, she did it. She came to us and she said, that wasn't choreographed. And we're like, yeah, we know. <laughs> so that is halal. That is halal praise. So Clay, come on. You guys are going to get out of our chairs and we're going to halal. And all y'all that are insecure and hiding are mad at me 
and are going to tell Corey to never have her speak again. Caleb, we were going to, I mean, Caleb started already, but. So everybody stand up. Now listen, if your expression of worship is usually just reverence before the Lord, I'm going to challenge you to maybe like move a hand. Like raise the roof, something. You know, move a foot. You know, like the hokey pokey, something. But I really want to challenge you guys to take your insecurity and throw it out. Because like we said in the beginning, it's not about us. It's not about us. Is he worth halal? Is he worth your undignified praise? Is he worth that worship to you? So whatever that looks like, let's jump up and down, run it around like crazy. We're going to do it. All right, you ready? Give us a beat, Clay. Yeah. Come on, come on. Get out from your chairs. Get out from your chairs. Come on. How'd that feel? Feel good? All right, you guys can sit down. I'm out of breath too. So that is halal. Now, I want to challenge you guys, just because we did that then, um, to do that, not just in your everyday expression, but in worship here. Like when it sings hallelujah, you're like, but it's a slow song sometimes. Well, I mean, if we're getting technical, y'all can take that up with God yourself. I don't know if he wants you to do this or that during that. Okay, um, so that is halal worship. So it's real. It's a real thing. It's something that God wants you to do. It's something he has for you to do. And just make sure you keep your clothes on when you do it, okay? <laughs> What's the next one? Oh, I think this is John's favorite one. All right, Shabbat is a shout. But it's so much deeper than that, guys. So by definition... From Greek scholars, this is what the Shabbat is. Let me read, let me read the definition, um, the first one. To shout, to address in a loud tone, to command, to declare triumph. Psalms 47.1 says, all you people, clap your hands and shout to God. So a lot of times we just go, yeah, shout, right? Like the same thing when the pastor's like, lift your hand, and you're like, fine, I'll do it, because... I respect leadership. And they're like, come on, let's lift a shout. And you're like, woo. Or you do the clapping of the hands because you don't want to lift your voice. The Bible tells us, but that right there, that praise is a shabak. So we know it's a shout. That's a given, right? But let me tell you what the scholars say that that shout means. When you lift a shout, when you lift a shabak, the shout travels through the atmosphere, hits the Father's heart, ricochets and comes back through not only to this generation, but to the generation and the generation and the generation to follow. Let that sink in for a second. So when we're just singing and we're like, um, champion is one of my, when I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down, right? So we're like, yeah, I'm gonna lift a shout and this little tiny wall in front of me right here is gonna come crashing down. All my doubt and insecurity is just gonna come crashing down. No. When you lift that shout, the ones who are coming after you, their insecurities and their doubts 
are being broken off, and not just off of the ones coming after you, their children and their children and their children, because the father takes the shout and he throws it back over generations. That's wild. That's wild. So when, it, when there's a song about shouting, y'all, I get excited. Because <laughs> here's what I do. I think about what I'm singing about, whatever that is. Like in that song, it's saying, every wall comes crashing down. I'm thinking of the walls that I need to crash come crashing down and I'm shouting it out and speaking it over the generations to come after me saying you will not have to deal with insecurity the way you will not have to deal with lust the way that I did you will not have to deal with doubt the way that I did and hurt the way I did and divorce I'm breaking that off of the generations coming after me and blah blah you're saying those things for you but if you get it in your head who it's really for it's not about you once again it's about the generations coming so when you shout it's not because the words tell you to and it's this little measly moment here. Yeah, that's for now, but it's for generations to come. Isn't that wild? So guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna shout. Stand up. So I'm gonna count to three in a second and you're gonna shout. Now here's not what's gonna happen. I'm gonna say one, two, three, shout and this is inevitably what happens if I don't explain this first. We say one, two, three, shout and everyone goes, ah, and you hear this, ah! And you look over to the right and it's Terry Wilkinson with a scream. So we're talking like shout. But before we shout, I want you guys to close your eyes and I want you to get everything that you've gone through, everything that you struggled with or that's happened in your family or in your life, and I want you to think about the future. If you don't have kids, how about the generations coming after you? It doesn't matter if you do have kids. What do you have in your life that you never want to watch your children or your future children walk through or your grandchildren or the next generation that's coming after you? What is that thing that you want to shout about that they would come live this life and never have to deal with because you lifted a shout today? And when I count to three, you're going to lift that. And you're going to shout until I come back over the microphone and tell you to stop. You have to breathe, take a breath, and come back in. Don't pass out. Just take a big breath and come back in. And I want you to close your eyes. I don't want you to be distracted. So take just a, a few seconds. All right, on the count of three, I want you to lift a shout. One, two, three. Sit down. Isn't it crazy that when you first do it, you're like, this is super weird, this is weird, remembering what she said, keeping that before me, and then all of a sudden, did you guys feel like a shift? You feel it in the room, maybe you didn't, that's fine. But I do, I feel like the shift, all of a sudden there's something not just in me, but around me, and everything surrounding me, and it just like shifts. And then you feel like my shout is heard. And then I've, you start weeping sometimes. I mean, it's crazy, and you can feel it in the room. So that's a Shabbat, so next time there's a Shabbat. And then to end it, because I know it's getting, I'm sorry, it went a little bit over. There's so much to say. Um, the last one, I think it's the last one, yes. Tahila. Now this is my personal favorite, not tequila, Tahila. Um, tequila is one of my personal favorites. Um, it's uh, one you guys will recognize from the scripture. It's to be enthroned upon, or to come and sit upon. 
Um, in Psalm 22, 3, it says, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of your people, enthroned on the tehillah of your people. So we sing songs that are beautiful, and we sing worship songs that we all love, right? But there is a song that is better than any song that could ever be written and that we could ever express on a Sunday morning, and that's your song. That's your tehillah. And I'm not talking about ones... Um, Rick has been writing insane amounts of songs. It's, it's, it's not of this earth, honestly, how much God has been giving uh, Rick. And Caleb and I have got to work with him, and we'll get to continue. And I'm blown away because there's nothing like when you bring your words to God personally. And some of the songs that are being written by Rick, we look at and we go, that's for you and him. This isn't even meant to be corporate. And there's a vulnerability about tequila that the scholars teach that's a little bit deeper than I think we like to go. When our relationship with God is surface, it's hard to go to this place. So I'm talking about when we sing a song, no one else, it's just music playing, and we just want to give God our praise, and we're just like, God, you're worthy. I love you. You're holy. You know, all of that stuff. That's real, right? Those are things he is to us. But tequila goes deeper. It goes, God, thank you for not letting that police officer see me when I sped past him this morning and not giving me a ticket. It's that kind of worship. It's that kind of thank you for that moment when I was in the room with my grandma and she was passing away and she looked at me and you gave me that moment and she was able to say she loved me. And thank you for that. You know, those are tequila. Those are the deepest parts about you that no one could sing to him but you. It's your song and can never be any else, anyone else's song. And so I want to show you, as I wrap up here, I want to show you what Tahila looks like. Because it's really hard for us. It's even hard for me. Like when you've heard Lindsay say it or the team say, lift up your own song, lift up your voice, right? And you're just like, oh, yeah. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We, we love you. All of a sudden, we're all corporately singing, we love you, Jesus, selfishly. You know? Or then you switch it, and you're like, I don't know if we actually love Jesus. I do. So we sing, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> you switch it. And then you're just like, you're so good. Thank you for the cross. All the things that are good. But we never get to that depth. Why do you love him? What is it about him? And that is Tehila. And I want to show you what he does in a room of corporate worship when there is worship present but then someone's in the corner singing tequila. So let me have Allie come up here. And Lindsay. I almost said Corey. <laughs> I think that was flesh, though. <laughs> You're lucky. I couldn't decipher it. Okay, um, is there a microphone that you guys can each use that our amazing Wendy or John can put you guys on? They have a blue and a red. So I'm going to show you, I'm God, hi, um, I'm going to represent, oh, let's see if I can do that right, okay, I'm going to represent God, and I'm going to have Lindsay come over here, and Lindsay's going to represent us on Sunday mornings, she's going to represent the church, and we're just going to have you sing like the chorus of Reckless Love, just rec over and over, just sing over oh, the overwhelming, no matter how many times it happens, and then Allie, you have the hard part you have the super vulnerable part. Like the part that might take a little bit of 
guts because there's things people don't know that you've dealt with in your life that are hard to still talk about. And I'm gonna have you sing those and what you're grateful for and where he was in the middle of those while she's singing what we're singing every Sunday. And then I'm gonna show you what happens in a corporate setting because God loves this song. Boy, he loves to hear about his love and the people. But I wanna show you what happens in those moments. So Lindsay, go ahead and just start doing your thing first. Just. Oh, the oh with reverb, that's nice. Right. And you guys can sing along with her. And Allie, you go ahead. So, I'm God, and I'm here, but then I hear this. So I was here with in the corporate setting, but then I heard Tehillah happening over here as she sang about how God brought hope back to her family after her family was broken to pieces and how hope is being stirred in her again. And I heard that as God, and I came over, and I sat with her, and I sat in it with her. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that's where I want God. I love that we get to sing corporately, and I, I'm not saying during the songs when the worship team's leading to do your own thing, but I'm saying there'll be moments where Tehillah comes out and he will come and rest in that. You guys are good. So as I wrap up, I wanna encourage you guys to take Tehillah with you wherever you go. And when it's hard, because you really are maybe even learning who God is in your life, do it anyway. De reach deeper. It's, and does this, you're not supposed to be a great singer. For the record, uh, American Idol has destroyed us because we think if we don't sound like them that we don't sing. But it says in my word that we all are called to sing. So we, we hear people say, oh, I'm out of tune. I, I'm those crashing cymbals and stuff that they talk about in the Bible. You're actually not. You're a sweet fragrance to the Lord. And he doesn't judge your singing. And maybe you won't have a microphone Terry's very grateful right now for that moment, that you won't have a microphone and be up on the stage with a mic in your hand. Maybe that's not where you're called to be, but you're called to sing, and you're called to give him everything, and you're called to take worship with you wherever you go, and you're called to come into a corporate setting and shift an atmosphere. You're called to take compromise out of your life, and we can't watch things like Game of Thrones with pure pornography in it, and then the next day come to before the Lord and say, I wanna see you when we've seen filth. We can't expect compromise in our life to allow us to see beautiful things. So we take those things and we throw them out, 
and we say, I want to see you and I want to give you what you're worthy of because you're worthy and it's not about me. I'm done. I was gonna, I was gonna have the worship team come up and stuff, but I, 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 these words took longer and stuff. Um, I don't know if you want to say anything, Corey. You good? Come back tonight. Yeah. What do I even say after that? Um, yeah, guys, come back tonight. We're gonna have a worship night and get to practice everything that Christina just taught us. Isn't that a lot? I was sitting there. I was like, I am going to retain this hopefully for the rest of my life like that was amazing so let's just pray real quick we'll go to lunch thank you guys for just hanging out with us so father thank you so much for christina thank you so much for her coming here for her teaching us what she has learned through the years and thank you that there's people like christina that give us a jump start that give us years of learning and a moment. Father, may we live from her revelation. May we worship you with our shout, with our hands, with our dance, whatever it might be. I want to worship you with all that I have.